the places Freddie Mercury, our favorite frontman, has taken us. Let's do a little recap. Let's see. He told us the story of the horrible Great King Rat. And of course, Great King Rat. We heard all about the dark and dominating Black Queen in the March of the Black Queen. Freddie took us to the Seven Seas of Rye, where he had all dominion. He told us about the high-class call girl in Killer Queen. He went lazing on a Sunday afternoon and took us along for the ride. He told us he killed a man in Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, and he also sang about a particularly nasty former manager in Death on Two Legs, dedicated to. He confessed that his breath was taken away by a very special someone in You Take My Breath Away. He told us he desperately wanted to find somebody to love. He expressed a sexual frustration in Get Down, Make Love. He also told us a little bit about his bluesy moments and his sad moments in My Melancholy Blues. And of course, he entertained us, pièce de résistance, and a tour de force <laughs> in Let Me Entertain You. And he told us... <gasps> Don't go there. Don't try suicide. I think those were all his. <laughs> I hope those were all his. I think those were all his compositions because that's what I was doing. Trying to think, okay, what has Freddie Mercury contributed to Queen over the years that has been absolutely amazing or controversial or all of the above? Ultimately, it's all incredible because today, if you hadn't guessed... It's a Queen Deep Dive Day. And oh, did you notice the symbol drop is back? I don't know if Anchor brought that option back, but I found it when I searched for it. And there it was. And I love using it because Roger Taylor is all about symbols. I love elaborate symbols. It's just kind of perfect. So welcome back to the symbol drop, first order of business. We are doing a Queen Deep Dive. I know you guys want more. I've had this ready for a little bit, so we are getting into it today. This is a Freddie Mercury number, of course, and it's perhaps even more controversial than the aforementioned Don't Try Suicide, which, of, you know, for obvious reasons, polarizes fans. And the reason this song is particularly controversial, especially at the time of its release, and even now, is because it was the lead single for Queen's 10th album, Hot Space. The lead single, and this was a surprising choice, as some fans thought, to kick off Queen's album, Queen, who were formerly all about rock and roll, no synthesizers, and all of a sudden, with their previous album, The Game, in 1980, this was full-on synthesizer heavy, more and more so. I think a lot of fans were confused or even angry in some cases. And this song was certainly a dividing point for many. This is, of course, track number four on the album Hot Space. And this is Freddie's Body Language. 
And we've, as I just recapped, we've done many things with Freddie. We've explored lands. He's written about art and culture and frustrations and tenderness. We've gone to a lot of places emotionally with Freddie. And today we're digging in deeper and more obvious with sex than we ever have with this man before. That's all this song is. It really is. I got a case of body language. It's all sexy and it's fun, honestly. I really enjoy this song. I, I, I do. I think it's fun. When I listen to it while I'm running, I can kind of bop along to it. It's great. But of course, at the time, especially, this was not heard that way, especially because it was, again, it was the lead single released in April April 19th of 1982 in the UK and the US. And I know for many, whoa, this song that is nothing like Queen's previous work, it's all dance, funk, pop. I can't even put rock in there because this is, there's no rock here. Okay. Brian is barely present. In fact, this is predominantly all Freddie. And that's why it has his stamp all over it. But to say that people were surprised this was the lead single for a new Queen album is a huge understatement. We are on dive number 112. I still can't believe it. We're getting there, slowly but surely. This song did chart number 25 in the UK. Number 11 in the US. That might surprise you. The U.S. responded a little bit more favorably toward this song. It was number three in Canada and Poland. I felt like I had to mention that, even though it wasn't jumping out on a lot of other articles I read. But I do want to emphasize one thing in particular before we talk about anything else. The press, the British music press, actually kind of sort of liked this. <gasps> Shocker. I think so, especially given the fact that the public, at least portions of the public, did not, this did not go over well, but the press thought this was an interesting move. And I think that's why, I think partially the reason the press thought, hey, this isn't that bad, is because Queen were stepping outside their box in a way that was a little bit more in line with fairly recent trends. Okay, we've talked about Hot Space and how the guys were really releasing a dance disco heavy, at least at the time it was perceived as disco, a disco heavy album at the time when disco was becoming a really dirty word. So the press, for whatever reason, still thought that this was an interesting turn and a likable one at that. We're at a BPM of 133. This is a 4-4 shuffle beat to go it kind of goes like that. We're in two keys. We're in B-flat mixolydian. Raise your virtual hand if you remember what mixolydian means. It just means that the seventh note in the scale is flatted. And I maintain that that creates, if there's one thing bluesy or rock about the song, it's that. Now, that's not to say that other genres don't use mixolydian mode, but at the time, especially mixolydian was a big rock bluesy thing. It creates a very strong sound, even if melodically the song is very, very minimal. And in this case, that's exactly where we are. And of course, we're in A-flat minor pentatonic, another interesting mode that's different than your typical natural major or minor. And as I said, 
This song, it's all sex. Give me your body. Don't talk. Those are literally lyrics from the song. <laughs> I'm serious. If you haven't heard the song, if you haven't really thought about the lyrics of the song, but you've heard it, you haven't really listened to the words. You know how when you, when you hear a song and you don't really pay attention to the words? I had a coworker once who had a daughter who I think was about eight years old at the time. And she was singing a song off of Gwen Stefani's uh, first solo album. Oh my gosh, what was the name of it, you guys? Anyway, you know the one. It had Hollaback Girl on it. It had a song called Bubble Pop Electric on it, which was quite suggestive. And my coworker said he never noticed just how forward the lyrics were in that song until his daughter started singing along to it. He thought, maybe I shouldn't listen to this in the car anymore. Anyway, fun little facts about life that we... We don't often notice things until suddenly it comes to us in a different context. But this song isn't even trying to hide it. Freddie is full on sex in body language. And I was thinking about this, the structure of the song, how it's very minimal. There's a lot of open space in this album, hot space in this album, if you will. If white space is the breathing room in graphic design, okay? If you ever work with graphic designers or if you know anything about it, they talk about white space. And what it is, is the open space between words or graphic elements in a picture or a photo or anything you see out there in design. There is a need for things to breathe and they call that white space. So if white space is that breathing room in design, then hot space is the breathing room in body language. We have a lot of openness here, but at the same time, so it's very minimal. It's open because there's not a whole lot going on, but in all that openness is a very slick, tight intensity, it's close. It's almost suffocating and intimidating. This is done for a very strategic reason, right? I mean, the, the lyrics are absolutely fully sensual and, and sex. So there's this, this atmosphere that is incredibly hot and warm in that way. It just, it, it, it is, like I said, there's not a whole lot here instrumentally, but in all that openness and minimalism is something that kind of surrounds you and, and gets into you and makes you kind of want to move. It is a very good dance number. We got shuffle beats that dominate occasional variances of patterns come through, creating a very cleverly modified rhythm. I'm actually reminded of Freddie's Don't Try Suicide, the bass line especially. That moment in Don't Try Suicide that's like, don't do it. That part, I think about that when I hear this. It's amazing how two very different songs echo one another, but then Freddie, the mastermind behind both of them, gives us all his aggressive energy here. This is nearly all him. Like other hot space numbers before it, body language is almost a solo piece. Freddie drives the composition on synth bass. A little guitar, a little drums appear from Brian and Roger, but other than that, Freddie is behind the bass that creates the character of this song. John sits this one out. Could he appear for brief moments? Perhaps, maybe even on guitar. But this is all Freddie all the time and is a dancey, disco, minimal, dark, swinging track. Would you believe this was performed 41 times, all in 1982? And I'll tell you what, if you don't like the album version, 
dive into this, dive into it live. It's harder, it's rougher. Everything we'd expect with all the boys performing. Great syncopated drums from Roger. I always love it when we get songs like this that are almost solo pieces on the album, but then on the stage, they all light up. Three-part harmonies in the bridge, courtesy of, I think, a vocoder? Definitely engineered, those harmonies. This was snappy. Freddie screams out plenty of in-your-face vocals. We get a little bit of that on the album, but live, he's really aggressive. And Roger's right there with him. Higher range is just as impressive. This is like jazzy, bluesy dancing rock and roll on stage. And that bass line is hot. A little extra sizzle, thanks to John and Brian, especially Brian. Oh, we get a great short solo filled with his lyrical runs, all that lyricalness. But the whole thing is a shorter jive when it's on a stage. Probably better for it. Many people prefer this live version rather than the studio. I see constant comments from people on YouTube just simply saying they cannot stand the album version, but this is divine. Or, you know, I really don't care for the album version, but I can dig this. That's exactly what I see when people comment about the live performances of this song. And, and it's absolutely something that's a different animal on a stage. As is often the case with the guys, it's one of the reasons I love them so much when they would perform live. They take the character of a song and it becomes something entirely unique. And because all four of them are deep in it here, we get extra vocals. It just feels like it's more fun. It's more entertaining. It reels you in that much more. I think... The overtly sexual nature of it is in some ways tempered because we get a chance to see them all working and playing together. It just, it, it's a wonderful experience, live body language. I have lots of fun facts about this song. It's, it's great to find this stuff. I also have some band critique directly from the band. Again, something I don't always get, but in this case, because this song is so unique, to say the least, in Queen's catalog, we have quite a bit more information here to go through. So hold on tight. Here we go. Fun facts about Body Language. It's the first Queen single without guitars. Well, there is no guitar solo. I take that back. There is a little bit of subtle guitar at the end, but it's barely there. Also, this video has the distinction of being the first to be banned by MTV because of the graphic nature of the video. And I want to talk a little bit about it. it. It's nothing compared to today's standards. But at the time, this was something, because music videos were not so standard yet. I mean, obviously, they, they were very, very popular by the early 80s, but they weren't as prolific as they are now, and not as many people were doing things that were pushing the boundaries. This video sees... Freddie, mostly just Freddie, when we talk about the guys in the band, sees mostly Freddie walking through this, like, it looks kind of like a sauna club. <laughs> we have lights. It's very dimly lit. There are panned shots of naked bodies painted with arrows, which was a theme for the song. And we'll talk a little bit about that as well in, in a moment here. But so we have shots of men and women, these glistening bodies in these very contrast lighting, heavy contrast lighting, a lot of panning of these bodies. We don't actually see 
private body parts, but we see a lot of skin. And Freddy kind of walks over these bodies and the video is actually very diverse. We have black women in it. We have men and women in it. it it's, it's in that way, it's extremely forward thinking, I think for its time, but because of the nature of the video and it's very steamy, literally, it's very dark. Freddie's got sunglasses. On. Do they all have sunglasses on? I think so there, there is a shot. <laughs> it, it, this actually kind of, um, makes me grin a little bit. There is a shot of all four of them in this moment in the, in the song. It's kind of during the bridge. And Brian's expression, he's snapping his fingers. I love to watch this shot and just stare at each of them. Go back and watch it again and stare at another one of the band. Because <laughs> Freddie obviously is digging this. I'm sure that he drove this video in its vision and how it looks. And so you can tell that he's very kind of comfortable and this is his jive. The others, I'm not so sure. Brian kind of looks like he's just there. And Roger, <laughs> at the end of that phrase, he kind of looks content, I guess, pleasant. And then at the end of that phrase, he does this little symbol tap thing and he smiles this ridiculous cheesy grin and I love it. <laughs> Like, what is that? I love it. And John is just chilling out. It is one of the best. It's one of the most, to me, one of the most iconic moments of the band in a video because it's the only time you see them together in the video. It's a very short clip and they all look so different. It's like when you see them in these, you know, promo photo shoots and they're all wearing different clothes. Like they, they should be in a totally different place. There's, there's that one photo, I think from the early eighties where, Brian's wearing this, it looks like it should be on Star Trek. He's wearing this, this vest thing that has these pointed shoulders. And I think it's like multicolored. And Roger, I think looks like he's, he's wearing this sort of maroon, shiny, dark jacket. And he looks quite suave. And Freddie, I think it's the same photo. He's wearing this, like, he looks like he's ready to go on a bike ride. He's got like a white t-shirt on and just jeans. And I don't remember what John's wearing, honestly, but it's, it's a perfect example of they work together. It looks great, but they all look like they should be in a different place. And this moment of body language in this video is exactly the same thing. They all kind of look like, what are they doing there? It's pretty amusing, actually. Now that the tone of this video and the fact that it was banned by MTV, that certainly drove radio play of this and popularity in the States. I have absolutely no doubt that the fact that MTV banned this, and remember, this was the first time. It was the first time they ever banned a video. And so imagine just word on the street about that and word of mouth. People would be like, wow, what is so crazy about this song? I'm absolutely sure that's the reason why this song hit 11 in the States. It, it, Anytime you have controversy in a music video or a song, for whatever reason, people want to know why. The curiosity peaks, everybody wants to see it or hear it. And I'm sure that that was a driving factor. So <laughs> back to our fun facts here. Freddie composed this on synth bass, yes. And that obviously is why the bass is such a prominent feature here. It's like its own voice. The title of this song is said or sang 22 times. That gives Liar from the boy's debut a run for its money. Now the title of the song graphically when you read it officially includes 
an up arrow alongside three right pointing horizontal arrows. And you see these arrows on, painted on bodies in the video. And I have to wonder which came first, the title or the video. I'd actually forgotten about that, that, that the official title, when you look at the back, when you look at the album art and, and you look at the track list, you can see those arrows. What does that mean? <laughs> what does that actually mean? I don't think I've ever seen anyone, band or otherwise, clarify that. What is the up arrow alongside those three right pointing arrows? What does that actually mean? And what came first? Was the idea to paint it on the bodies? We also see Freddie wearing arrows on clothing during this tour. So clearly it was, it was a symbol. It meant something. And we can only wonder because we, I don't think we've ever had an answer for that. Speaking of videos, the Foo Fighters used this song in a video promoting the tour for their album, Wasting Light. And Dave Grohl said, body language was used in their video. Okay. And you might find that odd that a band puts another band's song in a video, but they used it because the band appears naked in the video, dancing in the shower. And this song sounded like, in, his own, in Dave's own words, the soundtrack for a gay porn. <laughs> and I want to talk about that a little bit because this is all about perspectives and shifting cultures and how we perceive things. So if you asked me what I thought about this song when I first heard it for the first time all the way through, I would never have said, oh, this, this sounds like, it, it sounds like music from like a gay porn. I never would have said that. But obviously back at, back in, in the moment the song was released and perhaps even, you know, more recently than that, Certain sounds, styles evoke a kind of jive to certain people still. Isn't that, isn't that interesting and perhaps sometimes a little disturbing when you think to yourself, oh, cultures, lifestyles influence the way we perceive different kinds of music. I talked about this a little bit when we introduced both the game Songs on the game, like Another One Bites the Dust, of course, and Hot Space in general, where the perception was the sound was much more black, simply because there was, it was more rhythm-driven, it was more disco dancey. you know, there were, there were styles that the black artistic community was doing, that they were really at the forefront of that. So whenever a band like Queen that was so predominantly rock before, would start dipping their toes into something else. It was immediately perceived as a really, in some cases, people thought it was a very strange route, weird. Freddie made the comment specifically in concert once that said, we're gonna do music from the black category or whatever you wanna call it. And he was trying to get across that the guys are gonna play what they love to play. And to them, it doesn't matter how it's perceived. And in fact, I think they were probably proud to go that way and do something that was a little bit different. So this is just another example of, and that comment from Dave Grohl was, was made much more recently than, of course, the release of Body Language at the time in 82. So the perceptions of music and what it sounds like and where you typically hear it, it's interesting to me because again, I, everything's very blurred for me. I, I, when I think about a song, I don't often associate it with a particular culture or lifestyle or period. Sometimes a period because obviously things like swing music are, it, it's, it, they date themselves simply because of the style and you don't hear that stuff as much anymore. But music 
has evolved so much and the lines are so blurred between genres or you get artists like Beck that play every genre ever and they have a blast with it. I mean, look at Beck's album, Midnight Vultures. It is, a lot of people compared it to things that Prince did because it has a lot of that kind of funky and pop-driven psychedelic thing going on. I love Midnight Vultures. I think that was a fantastic turn for Beck. And then, you know, you get artists, Madonna did the same thing. She kind of shifted gears and, and went either with trends or ahead of trends a little bit, like especially with Ray of Light. And I know I'm going on a tangent, I'm sorry, but it, it just, the perception of music styles has always been, fa- is, it's been fascinating to me. And this is a great example of, again, a song that people will associate with a kind of vibe simply because of the beat or the general style. Now, the remix of this song, which is included at the end of the Hot Space album, if you buy it now, it actually includes piano. It's, it's relatively, it's very similar to the album, but it does include piano chords. It creates a more melodic performance. The percussion is a bit beefed up. We have the shuffle beat is in a more dominant force. There's more claps that echo around us. The synth effects are doubled down. It feels lighter and maybe giddier and happier somehow. I think a lot of that is the brightness of the piano more than the original. Brian's licks appear more often. I think they're simply basically copied and pasted, if you will. But honestly, this remix, I kind of get bored with it. It's, It's a little bit longer than the album version by about 15 seconds. But this song in general is quite repetitive. The phrasing of it, because it's so minimal, we don't have big twists and turns. Uh, This is nothing like Freddie's earlier compositions where we changed keys five times and the rhythm was changing and we were in crazy time signatures like nine, eight or seven, eight or five, eight. You know, we're not getting that here as we have with a lot of more recent Queen albums. Beats are more standard. Four, four common time signatures very often. And I think generally the song structures are much more accessible and predictable. And in a way, that worked to to Queen's benefit because like with the game songs, right? They just flew up the charts because things were so memorable and singable. But back to body language, I have band critique. And I think this is all from Brian. As we know, he is very outspoken about his feelings around songs, why they were written a certain way, who worked on them. I love him for this reason. But here's some interesting backstory about body language and Brian's sentiment around it. He's always been critical about this. But his opinion on the song structure has softened a bit as he's as he's matured and got older. He always thought. It was too light, too focused on the rhythms and lacking necessary guts, presumably guitar. And he particularly didn't like the style of the song at the time of its release. Here is a quote from Brian. He said, quote, I can remember having a go at Freddie because some of the stuff he was writing was very definitely on the gay side. I remember saying... It would be nice if this stuff could be universally applicable because we have friends out there of every persuasion, unquote. And I paraphrase that, some of what he said, but basically he called body language a gay anthem. And he admitted it was tough for him to express that even at the time. I was, I was and still am confused by this the first time I read it because 
especially when you consider the lyrics of the song, right? Brian talks about being more recognizing and being inclusive of every persuasion, right? So I don't think he's actually bashing the fact that he thought this was definitely, in his opinion at first, something more of a gay anthem. But I think he's just saying that he felt it was too narrow in that way. But it, honestly, some of the lyrics in the song could go anyway. And and I, I, I'm fascinated, not really fascinated, I guess, but I, yeah, I, I was a little bit confused by those comments that he made. But again, that was way back when the song was released. But I also, you have to remember how prominent this sound was. It's like, just like I said, the sound, this style of song was mainly in gay clubs at the time, right? So there's a reason why dance music in general, I think, was more strongly associated with gay culture for a long time, simply because of that was what was being played in clubs and that's what was happening in that community. So it's like me, for example, I love trance music and dance music and give me a good thump and kick beat. And I'm like, yeah, you know, sometimes that's all I want. I love listening to it. It energizes me. And I never thought to myself, like even back 20 years ago when I was collecting all of these dance compilations, it didn't dawn on me that a lot of people would perhaps perceive that as being associated with a particular thing. You know what I mean? It, it just, I've never, again, I've never thought that way, but a lot of people do. And I think a lot of that is because of not just the type of music that's played in certain places or around certain communities, but also the 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 music that we ourselves, each person, is used to listening to. And perhaps if you do only listen to a certain kind of music that's very, very particular, the minute that you step outside that zone, everything becomes associated with everything else. And it, it isn't just music, but it actually is part of a, it's part of a, a culture. And, and all of us are different, right? The way that we think about that. And so obviously at the time of this, of this song's release, Brian had his thoughts and feelings. Um, I think again, his opinion has softened a bit and he probably would have like to have a little bit more guitar here. Maybe to this day, that's something that he would have wanted to deepen it up a little bit with some more gritty guitar. But I think in general, he appreciates it for what it is now. And he finds it to be a snappy number. Roger, he had this to say, quote, not really us, but not a bad record, unquote. Short to the point. This is why I love Roger. <laughs> he doesn't sugarcoat. He just tells it like it is. But that is the, I forgot I actually had that one quote from our favorite drummer. All right, I do have, of course, a little bit of how dare they. This is the criticism from press or, you know, from at the time or more contemporary. This is the criticism. So John Millward of Rolling Stone, we've talked about his comments before. He called this, quote, a piece of funk that isn't fun, unquote. Ouch. That's harsh. In a 2011 overview of Queen's early 80s work, Alexis Petridis, Petridis of The Guardian called this an excruciating result of Freddie trying to make the dance sounds of hot space work. In 2016, Chris Chantler of Louder Sound ranked this number five of Queen's worst songs, calling it a, quote, Absurdly basic single 
with a repetitive bass line over a lifeless electronic shuffle with Freddie groaning and screaming about shagging. Can't argue with some of that, but the way that obviously he perceived it, not a favorable way, but guess what? Guess what? We have praise. I mentioned the praise from the British music press. Here it is. Quote, good, electronically pulsed, cooled out, slick, 133 BPM, seven inch, white disco smash. Unquote. That was from Sounds. Here's another one. Quote, not since they had all those ladies riding bicycles have Queen been so outrageous. The picture sleeve apart, this is an excellent single. Don't think Mary Whitehouse will like it though. Unquote. Little context for you. Mary Whitehouse was a British teacher and conservative activist at that time. And that quote was sourced from the book Queen as it began, one of my go-tos, but they didn't even cite the publication themselves in the book. So I really don't know where that originally came from. If you know, hey, let me know. Now, when Washington Post wrote about Hot Space, at its release, they summarized the entire first side or the dancey edgy side, I call it by citing this as the best representative of that energy writing, quote, this is mesmerizing stuff, almost totally physical in its presentation. And if body language is its best representative, the rest of the side cooks and churns just as confidently those hot spaces blowing like calculated drafts through icy cool progressions. I love that, icy cool progressions. Perfectly said, honestly, this number really is a fun little dance, sexy tune. That downbeat, shuffling, and bass, partial unison with that drumbeat. That's all we get at the intro. That brooding, sinking, slinky bass line. It gives the song its personality. In addition to, of course, as we will hear, our frontman very assertively giving us his message. Syncopation. A very sly, slow, subtle fade-in of a piano chord. Just the tonic. And I'm sorry, that's not even a chord. It's just the tonic. Wow, I apologize. Still a little out of it. Definitely obvious the bass drives this entire song. And then here it comes. Give me body. Spoken. Wow, Fred, tell us what you want. A rise in tone, that mixolydian. This entire song features that sound prominently in its arrangement, the way it progresses. Don't talk, don't talk, don't talk, baby, don't talk. Insistent, demanding in those echoed layers of voice. Plenty of Freddie going around. This is just his voice. On the record, we don't have anybody else singing. Another smooth synthesized chord sneaks in. Body language. He's slick, delivering the title this way, in sync with the bass, that weight, and that rising sound effect. Ooh, that synthesizer in its playful tease. The intro arrangement glides in again. The thing about these synthesizers is they are very, very well placed. They're not overwhelming. You don't hear them too often. They're just often enough, very tongue in cheek. And this sounds like anticipation, like hanging on a cliff and waiting to tip over the edge. Clever. And how stark it is. This is one of, if not the most, minimal queen moments ever. The next phrase, Freddie crooning, singing, pleading. 
higher. Give me your body. His dynamics, it's effortless. He goes from chest voice into something softer, almost falsetto, even as he falls down the scale. This is without taking another breath. This takes tremendous control. And I think when you consider where he came from vocally before, in his earlier days with Queen, this kind of control is where he really shines. He has really come a long way as a vocalist, and we get a lot of variation and dynamic in this song. He repeats it, always distinct from one delivery to the next. And in between those moans and groans, the sighs, as if we didn't already know what he's after, the sneaky synths appear ever so soft, but necessary to round the sound. Subtle effects, tricky percussion, tricks, accents on woodblocks, crashes, and those claps. I've talked about claps. I think the first time I talked about a lot of claps was in Don't Try Suicide, which features them a lot, like from the very intro and onward. Lots of claps. Don't talk. He's almost sweet about it. But then, body language. There it is again. This time an octave higher, a lot less bluesy and far more aggressive because before it was like body language. It was, it was very almost... Elvis-like in its delivery, but here it's more staccato, extremely scratchy in its aggressiveness. The last delivery, there's a fabulous dissonance with all of those harmonies hanging on all Freddy. Varied arrangement in the next phrase with more lyrics. It's a nice change of pace, actually, but very, very forward. You got red lips, snakes in your eyes. Very teasing, Freddie. <laughs> we know where all his attention is. And fun fact, because of his nearly shouted performance in the second part of this phrase, this verse, I only recently realized there's a swear word in here. <laughs> it's quite playful and amusing. It's very tongue-in-cheek, very queen. But yeah, I didn't realize that's what he said because he's so, he's in such a high register and he's so aggressive. Again, it's like shouting. I'm like, oh, that is what is being said right there. That hi-hat ride, those cymbals, nice touch. This next part though, snaps. Complete change of pace, change of key. Look at me, I got a case of body language. The way he sings it, it's fun, it's smooth, it's so perfect. It's way better than what I just did. Like a trade-off between bass and voice. The bass kind of creeps up in those slinky little scales, arpeggios. And then he comes in with that. I got a case of body language. It's so good. A little reverb for ambience. This is almost soulful. Snaps, crash, synth, fun. Yeah, sexy. That's exactly how he says it. If Fred's goal was to make us smile in that over-the-top tone, goal met. And then, of course, all the assertiveness again. I want your body. Baby, you're hot. There's even that intense inhale in there, like that body language takes us out along with a little tiny, barely there Brian on guitar. And that's, this may be a moment as well. There's a little bit of clean guitar that doubles up on the outro in there. And that might be John. Some improvising from Freddie, all in good fun. And we fade out. 
at baseline and Freddie carrying us home. This is really a fun little number. Absolutely nothing like anything before, but when you consider the dynamics, the worlds we've gone to with our front man, why in the world not? Why would you not do this? Freddie is obviously having a good time, obviously heavily influenced by perhaps the music he had been hearing. And I think it. I think it's a great little number. It's really well done. I mean, obviously what, what Roger said is right on the money. Not necessarily Queen in their classic form, but certainly not a bad record. And obviously, critics agreed with some of that sentiment as well. And in a slightly different context, this song is a rockin' thing that even a lot of fans who aren't crazy about the album version do enjoy. So I highly encourage you to check out Body Language and My This Was a Long Episode. I guess I elaborated a bit. And I I want to apologize, actually. If you heard my previous episode, I mentioned that I am currently on a prednisone, aka steroid taper. I'm on day three, and I'm going to take a sip of coffee. Hold on. It's getting cold. No. Wow. I got to get that down. Um... I'm on day three of my prednisone taper, and not only is my voice in worse shape, because again, it does something weird where, where it constricts your vocal cords, I feel a little bit worse from side effects. My head is swimming. I'm a little bit nauseous. But you guys wanted more queens, so here I am. Happy to give it to you. And this was fun. I, I hadn't done a dive in a few weeks, so this was great. The next song will close out side one, I think. Oh gosh, please tell me I'm right. Yes. So we have one more song and we're getting it from a new queen on this album. It'll be the first contribution from him. And it's actually a quite jiving little number. I enjoy the next song. But as far as body language is concerned, if you're looking for something sexy, this is fun. <laughs> it's definitely at the top of the I would say, for lack of a better term, sexed out queen songs. And I'm talking about songs like Fat Bottom Girls or Tie Your Mother Down. Those are actually Brian's numbers. Then we have a little bit with Freddie's Get Down, Make Love. There are allusions to passion and, of course, other songs as well. But those are the first that come to mind. And it's interesting to get this from the contrast of, say, Freddie's, you know, You Take My Breath Away, which is so tender and soft. I can't even really call it soft. It's definitely reserved in its performance, but it's still just as passionate and evocative and assertive in its own way because it's, it's so longing. I absolutely adore Freddie's delivery in that song. And in a very different way, I adore this as well. I've talked about Freddie's voice evolving and changing in its tone over the years. And here he's got this fantastic mix of kind of reserved, more natural voice with something that's much more forceful and intentionally aggressive. And I definitely dig this. Again, I think it's it's a pretty good motivator. Yeah, I, I really dig this when I'm on a run. And I'm. it's funny, the bass, the way it goes... Da, 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 da. It just, it sort of pushes me along. I don't know. But uh, body language, Freddie's contribution to Hot Space. And certainly, as one of those publications said, definitely most representative of that dance tone on the album. 
We're going to close outside one, which I dubbed the very sexy, dancey side. And we're going to get to things that are a little bit softer in general and perhaps more queen-like, if you're looking for a little bit more classic queen sound, on side two. All right, guys. Rest up. I know I'm going to. I was planning on working more music today and doing some violin, but I don't know. I don't know. My head's still doing that thing where I turn it and the vision kind of trails behind it. And I feel generally like I'm floating five feet above my body. So I'm going to go rest and I hope you guys enjoy. I'll be back next time. Keep yourselves alive. <laughs>